This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Real EFL League One podcast, the podcast where we take a look at all the wonderful action that England's third tier has to offer each weekend. It may not have been the greatest week for goals scored with just 18 across the 12 games. However, there were still some big results and massive talking points for us to discuss on today's podcast, including red cards, managerial meltdowns and fan protests. And we'll also play a round of my favourite quiz show, Did Cheltenham Town Score a Goal? No, they didn't. Spoiler alert. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and I hope you all enjoy the following episode. If you do, please leave us a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. We've seen a big upturn in new ratings, so it would be much appreciated if you could drop us a nice little five-star score to help us grow. Now, without further ado, let's get into the action. And of course, I won't be on on my own to delve through all the weekend events. I'm joined today by Keelan Saracen. Keelan, how are things? Yeah, we're all good. Are you? I'm I'm doing wonderfully well. I just want to put a disclaimer out there to the listeners. If you hear fireworks going off, don't worry. I just hate where I live and I can't really stop that. They're, they've been going off all day. Clearly children have nothing else to do with their lives. You think in the mo- I know I'm going around, but you think in the modern day when children have PlayStations and phones, a bang in the sky wouldn't entertain them. But it still does here in Dublin, so that's fascinating. I'm also joined today by Chris Lamming. Chris, it's been a while since we last spoke. In fact, the last time we were on here together, Cheltenham Town still hadn't scored a goal. And obviously since then, it's just it's been raining goals over there. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very well. Thank you. Much better than I feel a lot of those down in Gloucestershire will be feeling right now. But they do have a new manager uh, announced. And, and I think we can, all, we can all agree that we all hope them that they can improve and, and, and get a goal firstly and then kick on from there. I, was at the, I had the privilege of being at Central Bank yesterday watching Lincoln versus uh, Cheltenham as well, so I'm sure we're going to discuss that at length. We will indeed. We'll get on to that very shortly, but we will start today's podcast off with Peterborough United 2, Bristol Rovers nil. Now, Keelan, I'll come to you about the events of the game. I know you watched it and you had some takeaways on, on what happened during the match. It was a, a, a great win, we should say, for Peterborough United, but I feel like the, the game itself was kind of... No, I mean, like there was there was overarching comments from both managers this week that I feel were massive talking points. Darren Ferguson's comments before the game, after the Mansfield defeat during the week on Tuesday in the EFL Cup third round, where he basically said, I mean, you, I, I wrote the article for the Real EFL at the time when he made the comments, but I believe he said something along the lines of, you know, maybe I should have sacked them all and the same players who were, you know, played at, at Hillsborough in that, collapse last season which I do my best not to reference when I talk about Peterborough United because I'm sure it's it's a game that fans and players and the staff would like erased from memory unfortunately that's not possible but Darren Ferguson brought it up not me Keelan talk to me firstly about Ferguson's comments going into this game because they, well I mean they they kind of worked yeah no I think you know looking at what happened in in the Bristol Rovers game the, the comments had the, the desired effect because we go one nil up, and then thankfully we get a second goal early on in the second half that kills the game a little bit. Bristol Rovers had a few chances with Giovanni Brown and a couple of other players. Aaron Collins missed a one on one and puts it wide, and 
Johnson Clark Harris, obviously playing against the club that he didn't manage to get a move to on deadline day, blocks a shot off the line as well. So it was it was a good win. It was a win that was hard fought. But yeah, I think it's a, a case of the comments did work because in games um, against Bolton and Mansfield that really irritated Dan, Dan Ferguson, I don't think we took our chances well enough. We drew 1-1 away at Bolton, which, you know, didn't doesn't seem like a bad result, but you're playing against 10 men for the majority of the second half and had 20-plus shots. And then Mansfield, you're playing a League 2 team with a with a real uh, you know a real chance of going far in a competition that posh haven't gone far for in a while in the EFL Cup, you surrender a lead and then you end up losing on penalties. And I think he was well within his right to have a slight go at the players for not you know taking their chances well enough and beating a team by one getting a goal and then holding on to it. And then thankfully yesterday, from a posh perspective, we managed to beat Bristol Rovers rather comfortably in the end. Well, Joey Barton didn't seem to think it was comfortable. And you know, speaking of Barton, obviously the elephant in the room was his comments he made after the game. He was very, he was clearly very peeved at the the result. He believes that his side were were superior to Peterborough United. Um, I think Barton maybe wants to watch the game back again a little bit. But the big talking point about his comments was the the the, the comments about Luke Luke Thomas. Um, I, d- I mean, when I was reading his comments, I felt like he was maybe f- five more words away from using the word woke, which I thought was actually coming. When uh, as I read on, I thought it was I thought it was genuinely coming. What did you make of his of his comments, Keelan? Because just for just for the listeners, if you haven't read the interview or read the comments anywhere, and I I, I, I genuinely mean this, Joey Barton called Luke Thomas an idiotic young boy, his own player, by the way, that he signed during the summer on a three year deal. He called an idiotic young boy. What did you make of it? I mean, I know it was because Luke Thomas apparently had a, or he was he he wanted to play on, and then he pulled up with a hamstring injury during the build up to the goal, and was taken off actually about just after the goal for um, Giovanni Brown, I believe. Talk to me about the, the the comments, and do you think they were justified? I mean, I also feel a little bit like the goal was preventable by. The defenders, not just not just Luke Thomas pulling up. What do you make of them? Yeah, I think there's a there's a difference here between obviously Darren Ferguson calls out the collective team effort in those games for and he calls out the entire team. I don't think it's ever really on to pick on one player and say that they're maybe you know they cost the team or their decision making was the reason why Bristol Rovers lost. Bristol Rovers, you know, lost the game equally to the same magnitude as, as Thomas not tracking back for, by the Bristol Rovers players missing their chances. And also, you know, Jack Hunt for Bristol Rovers, the the right back kept getting put put on his backside by Ricky J. Jones. And that happened again for the second goal. And if Luke Thomas was there or not, who knows what would have happened. For me, it feels like Joey Barton always feels like he's blameless in this sort of situation. And Luke Thomas was the convenient scapegoat for him to to prevent his anger on. But it's not surprising really with Joe Barton because I think from when I've been writing for the real EFL, you know, he's he's golden for for, for some absolutely ludicrous comments after games sometimes. Well he also continued on in the comments and said that there were individuals in the squad who are weak minded individuals, he said, which was just like I know he was talking about Luke Thomas before. I don't exactly know I don't know if he was still talking about Luke Thomas then. I, I'd imagine he's talking plural when he said weak feeble-minded individuals just a bizarre post-match press conference you know like take the defeat you lost 2-0 you had some chances could have scored maybe could have got something from the game you didn't as you said hunt at right back it was skin skin for that second goal he's talking as if the you know luke thomas was solely responsible for it as if the goal wasn't you know the the fullback getting beaten and a ball going into the box going past three defenders it's 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 a bizarre comment to make um i think as you said there was a massive difference between darren ferguson's comments where he was almost a rallying call to his players albeit a bit reactionary but joey barton's was just really really bizarre and i do wonder as a player what you would think in the you know in the in the change room after the game or even when he when you read the comments i'm sure if he said that after the game in public i can only imagine what he said you know, in the dressing room. Anyway, 
moving on from that, we'll 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 talk about the Lincoln City game against Cheltenham Town. This this season's top goal scorers, Lincoln two, Cheltenham Town nil. Chris, I mean Daryl Clark. We'll actually we'll start with Cheltenham Town before we we get on to Lincoln City. Daryl Clark was appointed during the week. Obviously, former former Port Vale boss. Do you think he's the right man to turn this mess around at, 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 with the Robins? Well, time will tell. It's difficult to, to predict. Um, he certainly did a good job at Bristol Rovers with back-to-back promotions in his um, first full-time managerial role. Um, of course, been at Salisbury before that. What just Chilton were kind of crying out for yesterday was just his leadership. Uh, they looked a real, a real, a real lack of direction. I think on on and off the pitch yesterday. Um, Kevin Russell's been in, has been in uh, temporary charge, and he made a couple of uh, changes yesterday, which did, which did kind of halt the progress of Lincoln, mm. and because uh, it could have, it could have been, it could have been a bit of a cricket score yesterday if it wasn't for that tactical shift. But in regards to Dale Clark, I think Cheltenham just needs anyone in. To be honest, anyone that's, that that can just organise the team. And, and can offer a little bit of leadership because they looked a little bit directionless yesterday, sadly. And I have to admit, from um, uh, from a Lincoln City's perspective, it's something that, that we were a little bit concerned about. Um, despite despite Cheltenham, of course, scoring a goal and being bottom of the league, you know that can't go on forever. Mm-hmm. Lincoln haven't got any fit strikers. Cheltenham, albeit suffering a couple of recent heavy losses, there were some caveats to those, particularly the Peterborough game. Uh, um, was it Peterborough? Um, they lost 3-0 after, with the players set up after four minutes. The majority yeah. of games they've been involved in, albeit they'd lost or drawn, um, they were tight games. Most of them were one-goal games. So we were a little bit concerned, thinking it was going to be quite tight. It's going to be difficult to break them down. It's it's going forward is where their, their real issues are. But I have to admit, after watching... The whole ninety yesterday, they were they were pretty poor in both in both phases of the game initially. Um, mm-hmm. They did settle after the after it went two 0 and they changed shape. But yeah, is Daryl Clark going to be the right man? Well, without wanting to sound too harsh to Cheltenham fans, it can't really get any worse, can it? Um, so for their for their sake, I really hope he is. I made those comments two or three weeks ago, saying that you know it can't get any worse. But it has, it has, Chris. It's gotten, it's gotten a lot worse. <laughs> I think, I think it can keep getting worse. But uh, it, it's, it's. I do feel for the fans. I know we kind of, I, I make almost references to it as, as, a, as a bit of a joke to put, I suppose, to make it a bit more light-hearted. But to to watch your team home and away for ten games a season and not celebrate a single, that one single goal, even if you've lost five nil and you've scored one, it's something. To not celebrate a single goal. I mean, at the moment they have the they have the worst defense in the league, and by far the worst attack. It's as you said, Daryl Clark has a massive job in his hands. But I suppose they had more shots in Lincoln City yesterday. Ten shots to Lincoln's nine. But they only had one on target. The XG I have written down for Cheltenham Town was zero point eight one. Talk to me about Lincoln City then, because two 0 win. Lasse Sorensen scored scored a brace early in the second half, or fourth half, sorry, in the fifth minute and the twenty first minute. And then, what happened for the rest of the game? Did you think it was a case of just taking your foot off the gas a little bit, or or did Cheltenham Town kind of, I suppose, solidify a little? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, Lincoln had a League Cup game at home to West Ham on Wednesday night. Um, a very very narrow one nil defeat, mm-hmm. and. They would have expended a lot of energy in that game. Um, so, with no fit strikers in the squad, plus an incredibly tiring Wednesday evening, it was imperative that Lincoln scored an early goal so they could probably take the foot off the gas a little bit. And Cheltenham started in a four-four-two, a very narrow four-four-two, which just left so much space out wide for Lincoln's two wing backs. Primarily, Lars Sorensen, of course, in right wing back, he scored two goals. Um, five or six minutes after that second goal. Where Lincoln were absolutely dominating, in fairness, um, Cheltenham did make a change, and Aidan Keener went off. Uh, I assume through an injury, but also that resulted in a shape change to a to a three five two for Cheltenham, and that did solidify things a little bit. It did it did allow less space for Lincoln, particularly out wide. But in all honesty, they they didn't need to get out of second gear. That they, they kind of done the hard work and, and very much managed mm-hmm. the game from that point. Um, I don't want to be too kind of negative to to Cheltenham because from that point they were they were more solid, 
um, albeit creating very little, the, the few opportunities they did have were just kind of shots on range, really. It was that XG was under one, even with nine shots, it was very much a cumulative XG rather than anything too clear cut. Lincoln looked incredibly comfortable. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't want to kind of kind of kick Cheltenham while they're down, but they, I was really unimpressed with them. And I, I was kind of looking at from, from like a statistical point of view in the build up to the game, thinking that they can't be as bad as the stats say, there must be something in this. Um, but they did look really poor. But they did look more solid up with the back three. Have to admit mm. that. Um, but it's difficult once once Lincoln are already two 0 up, and they quite clearly compared to the intensity in lots of other games this season, Lincoln definitely didn't get out of second gear. It's difficult to really judge Cheltenham from exactly where they are from that point. Um, but they absolutely need to need to improve. There's no doubt about that. And the next game for Cheltenham Town is absolutely huge. It's against Fleetwood Town, who are on a a decent little spell of fun, well, not decent. I mean, two games, they picked up four points out of six. We'll get on to Fleetwood Town in a moment under new head coach Lee Johnson. But if Cheltenham Town were to win a game, they need to beat Fleetwood Town because if not, that gap between Cheltenham and Fleetwood opens to seven points. And that is, is quite damning. We will move on, though, to Stevenage 1, Oxford United 3. Jamie Reid opened the scoring for Stevenage, his seventh this season for Steve or under Steve Evans. And then it was a, a, a wonderful turnaround, really, by Oxford United. They scored, Greg Lee scored, scored twice. And Elliot Moore, of course, capped it all off in the 82nd minute to make it 3 1. Stevenage now have one win in four games. I mean, they were cruising at one point. They still are a support. I mean, I don't want to say they still cruise them. They, they, they've won one in four, they're still third. Um, Bolton are just behind them on a point, though, but Bolton, of course, do have a game in hand. It's a bit of a slippery slope at the moment for Stevenage, but Oxford United, on the other hand, have been unbelievable this season. I didn't tip after nine or ten games Oxford United to be top of the league. I'm not sure about you guys. I think Liam Manning is an excellent coach. I actually tried to interview him before and he pied me, but that's okay. I forgive him. He is a wonderful coach. I loved his team, and I loved how MK Dons played under him. They almost got promotion to the championship I think two seasons ago was it I think it was two seasons ago before things all kind of went went south really quickly in the last season um, but that's four wins and five now it's four straight away wins for Oxford United Keelan have you been surprised by Oxford United this season do you think they do you think they have what it takes to go all the way do you think they're good enough yeah no I think we touched upon it on uh, uh, last week's podcast I think we talked about mm-hmm. The fact I think Johnny mentioned it that Oxford they don't seem to have you know just that one goal scorer they spread the goals out quite a lot and they they get you know in those away wins they've they've managed to, to score goals you know I mean they won three nil away at Fleetwood and then they won three one away at Stevenage which was a different test against you know a Stevenage team that's in and around the same promotion place as they are currently but mm. I think as you mentioned you know Liam Manning I know when when Posh got rid of Grant McCann I was an advocate for maybe getting Liam Manning in at Posh. I do think he's a really good coach. I think it obviously ended a bit pear-shaped for him at MK Dons and they slid down the league and obviously they got then got relegated under the head coach after him in Mark Jackson. But I think he's he's turned around his reputation a little bit. I think he's playing some really great attacking football. And, you know, Oxford had a bit of a, a poor season last season under, you know, Carl Robinson had been there a number of years and it, that also ended quite sourly. And mm-hmm. so I think Oxford now can, yeah, I think Oxford are one of the teams that you could probably see, you know, staying in and around the playoff spots and and pushing for promotion. I love watching them. I think they're an absolutely ex- exceptional side to watch. By far one of the best teams to watch in League One this season. On the other hand, though, Chris, I just want to ask you about Stevenage. I know Steve Evans is a bit of a controversial figure in general. I know Gary... Hutchinson, of course, the founder of the real EFL, doesn't have much sympathy for Steve Evans when things go wrong. But do you think Stephen Ajar, I mean, they're a newly promoted side, do you think, still think they are punching above their weight a little bit right now? Yeah, I do. I, I, I thought pre-season they'd be comfortable. I thought they would be, of the promoted teams, their style means that they're going to be very, very difficult to, to, mm-hmm. to score against. They're going to be very difficult to play against. No one's going to enjoy a game against Stephen, particularly at the Lamex. Um, which kind of made me even more impressed with Oxford in their performance yesterday. Um, yeah, I, I think Stevenage could definitely be in and around the playoff uh, places. I think they've, they've shown their qualities this season already. I think they may have surprised a few as regards to kind of how high up in the league they are at the moment. 
uh, particularly a couple of weeks ago. But I don't think we're going to see them tumble down the league mm-hmm. at all. Um, I think they can be in and around it, definitely. And I think that'll be an incredible overachievement for a club the size of Stevenage in their first season in League One. But I think they, they're a team that's very much kind of greater than the sum of their parts, aren't they? Uh, and I think that has to be commended. Well, Steve Evans did say in his post-match interview when discussing the loss that he doesn't want to hear players talking about promotion until May, basically saying that, you know, because they've had such a good start to the season, you can almost get complacent. And Steve, you need to remember that they are a newly promoted side, but even a top six finish would be unbelievable for them straight away. I mean, it really would be regardless of what people think of Steve Evans. Moving on, though, to Wigan Athletic 1, Portsmouth 2. I sat here, Keelan, if you remember, two weeks ago on the podcast with you, and I believe it was Adam, and I said that I I think Portsmouth's unbeaten run will come to an end over the next two or three games. It hasn't. They're still unbeaten. In fact, they're actually only one of four teams in the top four leagues of English football to be unbeaten, I believe, now after yesterday's results. Liverpool lost, Manchester City lost. I think it's only Arsenal, Spurs, Mansfield and Portsmouth. What a start to the season it's been. I mean, like, do you think they are the best team in League One now? Do you think they're levels above anyone else? They've, I mean, they've won six games, drawn four out of ten, won four the last five games. The start of the season was a bit ropey in terms of not 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 results really more so performances i still remember that opening game against bristol rovers where they i think they scored and it was a cassini yengi scored in like the 95th 94th minute to equalize for them it was a little bit of a ropey start performance wise but now they just seem to be cruising do you think they're the favorites now after 10 games in you've seen all the teams play what's your what's your thoughts on john Massino's side i think um, you to say they might be the best team and i think you know, watching Liam Manning's Oxford, they might play more exciting football. But I think watching John Massinho's Portsmouth, they just seem to find a way to win at the moment. And they've come from behind in, in a remarkable amount of games. They came from behind against Lincoln to win. They came from behind against Peterborough to win. And on their travels away at Wigan, they did the same. Mm. And Wigan played relatively well. Marshall Godo scores a really well-worked goal from a Charlie White flip, drills it past Will Norris. The, I think he's the youngsters on loan from, from Fulham and looks an exciting player. But moments later, Portsmouth managed to, to score a goal of their own and they level the game. And it's from a Jack Sparks corner and, and Regan Paul bundles it in rather fortuitously. And then, you know, 10 minutes after Godo's put Wigan 1-0 up, Portsmouth then go 2-1 up through Paddy Lane's deflected effort. And I think Portsmouth just have a way of of winning at the moment. There was a, a slight, you know, f- slightly lucky away at the DW from if you're a Wigan fan. They had a number of, of penalty, you know, shouts waved away. I, I saw on, on, on Twitter, it wasn't wasn't put on the, the highlights package, but I think it's like a weird scooped up ball from a Pompey shirt and then Marlon Pack controls it, but then he almost controls it with his arm and then his arm somehow passes it to the player. It looks like one of those, and then the referee's quite near it. So I think if you're a Wigan fan, you'd be a bit disheartened by that. Obviously, Charlie White also got a red card for a rash tackle. But I think from a Portsmouth perspective, it just shows that they went 1-0 down and then 10 minutes later, they're 2-1 up. They're not really, you know, panicking when they do go a goal behind. And they have got some, they've got a lot of talented players in that squad in Colby Bishop and Marlon Pack, who are, you know, veterans at League One level. At, I mean, mm-hmm. they've been around the division for a while, but they've also got players like Jack Sparks, who played really well in that game, who they got from Exeter. Alex Robertson also played at Cam, who they've got on loan from Man City. So they've got a lot of talent in that team. But I think it's also matched by that steal to, you know, when they go behind, let's not panic and we can probably get a result at the end of it. So, yeah, I think at the moment, Portsmouth are the best team in the division just for the fact of how effective they can be from coming from behind and, and nicking a result. Just a massive shout out as well to that equalising goal through uh, Regan Poole, the corner by by Sparks. Yeah. They had Portsmouth had six players, you know, deep I suppose at the at the far post. Like no one else near at the near post, all just at, at the back post. They were being man marked then by Wigan's players. Uh, Colby Bishop makes that run to the front post. Ball comes in, flicks it on yeah. Regan Poole there. It's really, really well worked genuinely. People too often at this level, especially, look at defensive mishaps and say, "Oh, it was poor defending, poor marking." That was a really, really well-worked corner routine. I really, I actually, I, 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 it was one of my favourite goals this weekend out of the only eighteen. But still, 
that was a really, really well worked corner. It was a great way to equal or to, to equalise. And then, of course, as you said, Paddy Lane scores the winner. Just quickly before we move on, Wigan Athletic now one win and four for them. They drop down to twenty second. It is interesting seeing a team in in twenty second with a, a a null goal difference, a zero goal difference. They've scored fourteen and conceded fourteen. I do understand as well, obviously, with the, the they had the points deductions that are contributed towards that. Now they don't have Charlie Wyke. How big a miss do you think that is for Wigan? Keelan because he's the top goal scorer this season and as you said he, he played a helping hand in, in opening the scoring today as well Yeah no it's going to be a big miss obviously I think I mentioned it or Adam the Wigan fan mentioned it on a, on a previous pod that they don't maybe have the numbers and they have a lot of, of young players in, in that mm-hmm. in that group at Wigan and Charlie Wyke is probably one of the more seasoned professionals that knows League One and EFL football more than the rest of them but I do think there's there's a couple of games coming up for Wigan where they could maybe get a positive result after maybe, you know, losing their form a little bit. Burton away on Tuesday night is a big game for them. And then they go away to a Stevens team that we've talked about that are, you know, maybe not firing on all cylinders as they were. And then they've got, you know, a game at home to to Peterborough where they could maybe get a result because Posh are, you know, very inconsistent. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom from mm-hmm. a Wigan perspective losing Charlie White, but you know, it, it, we'll, we'll see. I don't I don't think they will be in and around the relegation spots. I think they have enough about them, regardless of the points deduction. Well, as you said, the next game for Wigan Athletic is Burton Albion away from home. That's going to be a big, big fixture for both sides. And Portsmouth are at home against Wickham Wanderers, who we will get on to, but they're on a really good run of form too. We will move on, though, to a team who are, I want to say inconsistent, but I also kind of want to say struggling. Chris, Derby County, nil. Cambridge United nil. One win at home this season for Derby County. I, I want to get your thoughts on the game, but I also just want to add that I think I, I, so much of Derby's play relies on Mendes Lang kind of get out, getting down the wing and crossing it. And it's and to be fair, they should they in my opinion, they probably should have won yesterday from just doing that. There was a number of chances where he put a good balls into the box and the centre-forwards failed to convert. I believe there was one as well with Martin Waghorn late in the game where he he's free header from about seven yards out and he heads it into the ground and it goes up over the bar. Talk to me about Derby's goal-scoring woes and, and just their, their, their poor results at the moment because, I mean, they're sitting 12th at the moment and for Derby County, who are one of the favourites to go up, it's really not ideal. Yeah, um, I owe you an apology, actually, Adam, to be honest, because uh, we discussed Derby County early in the season and you made exactly that same point. Um, might have been might have been opening day, might have been second or third fixture, um, mm. and I felt that they they'd have enough to kind of to, to really get going and, and kind of not steamroll the division, but certainly be be up there with with the likes mm-hmm. of Bolton, the likes of Portsmouth, who who I think most people have them um, kind of preseason as their top three. Uh, of course, Hartford are doing brilliantly as well. Now you mentioned yesterday that on the balance of play, Derby probably did have enough to get past Cambridge, um, despite. Their their lack of creativity. I think it is creativity that really is the problem. They they put in more crosses in the league yesterday than they did in any other game bar the opening day. Um, they had the highest cross completion percentage yesterday with forty four percent. They they connected with eleven of those crosses that they put in yesterday, which is a incredibly high number. But uh, they, they 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 didn't convert. Um, even Martin Waghorn, who who has been in okay goal uh, goal scoring form, you mentioned that big chance he missed. Mendes Lang coming back into the side had a big, big opportunity in the first half on the counter attack. He looked a little bit awkward though on his on his run, didn't he? He didn't look particularly in control. Mm-hmm. Was forced. I thought he should have squared it earlier than he did. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. He, he looks a little indecisive. Um, but yeah, I just have to agree with you really in that I'm surprised at how Derby's um, kind of lack of goal scoring has, has really affected them. I thought they would have enough kind of domination in those first two thirds to kind of keep the pressure on teams and almost kind of suck the ball into the net in a way in that regard you know just thought i thought it would be accumulative and ultimately if you throw enough darts at a dartboard one of them will hit but it just hasn't really been like that at all um i think it's also worth praising cambridge because there's a a very very positive trait coming out of their their season this season which is just being incredibly difficult to beat like really well organized without the ball you know they they didn't they had one shot on target yesterday with a 0.04 xg. You know they they were very much there to to stop Derby rather than to try and do anything themselves. But they did it. They kept them out. 
Um, I think there was only one real highlight of the game yesterday. There wasn't, and that was in the 31st minute. when The whole stadium uh, rose in, in support of Josh Vickers, who lost his wife, Laura, to cancer mm-hmm. in the week. Um, that was a lovely moment. Uh, that was very much the highlight of the afternoon for me. Um, yeah, so that was a real sad moment, of course, this week for Josh, but a real kind of show of, of solidarity from the whole stadium as well. The whole, the whole stadium um, took part in that um, stuff as well. So, yeah. I do. I, I actually thought as you were right. I was going to get on to that. It was by far the, the best moment of the game. And just on behalf of the Really AFL and of the League One podcast, we 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 share our deepest condolences to Josh Vickers and and Laura's family. Of course, a really tragic passing, um, and and it was a really poignant moment. I, I, I just just incredibly sad. And as I said, we 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 share our, our our deepest condolences to Josh and her family. the The last thing I just want to talk about before we move on to the next game is that it just in regards to Cambridge United, they're forced. Uh, shot on target came in the 74th minute as you said it was a bit of a snatch and grab and just comparing the two sides on the table they're both level on points Derby are 12 Cambridge United 13 they both won the same number of games drawn the same number of games lost the same number of games but it wasn't an even game <laughs> yesterday it looked like top versus bottom almost it was unbelievable but <laughs> I mean fair play to Cambridge United they, they managed to snag a point with an XG that I have written down here of, of 0.12 which is in, accumulate which is absolutely crazy and on another day Derby County I'm sure would have taken three points but that was their chance to finish goalless, one of three goalless games this week. We will move on now though to Exeter City nil, Northampton Town 2. Now this was probably the most, I would argue the, the most surprising result of the of the week. Exeter City were top of the league for about two weeks there and two losses on the spin they've dropped down to eighth place uh, outside the playoffs, of course, as well. This is a massive win for Northampton Town. I was looking at the results yesterday. We, we've spoke about this a lot on the podcast, that Northampton Town and the John Brady are a very difficult side to be. Keelan, you and Chris have had poor experiences, I believe, with, with Northampton Town being Lincoln City fans and, 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 and a Peterborough United fan, of course, I believe. Did they they drew to Lincoln and be, was this, was this they beat... Uh, Peterborough in the last minute with that goal, Keelan. Crazy yeah, goal. Totally screwed over, yeah. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> One of the most bizarre goals of the season. But yeah, like like they're such a difficult team to beat. And I think in every game they've lost this season, they've lost, yeah, they've lost five games. I don't believe they've lost by more than a goal, unless I'm forgetting a the result. They're a really, really tough side to break down, a really tough side to beat. Exeter City, they it was Shown yesterday, Sam Hoskins scored in the 20th minute with his fourth goal of the season. He's having a really good season for Northampton Town. It's uh, he, he I can't remember the the game I we spoke about two weeks ago. It was a really nice finish at the near post. It might have been Cheltenham Town. Am I? Is that right? Yeah, I, I think it might have been Cheltenham Town. Yeah. yeah, it was a really nice finish at the near post. He's a really really excellent player. Uh, Northampton Town. That was actually their only win of September so far. Uh. Sam Hoskins now is the joint ninth top goal scorer in the league. Reading a home next for Northampton Town, which is, considering the, the run of results Reading are on, that's a really, really good place or a, a, a good fixture to have next to put two consecutive wins together. Exeter had 66% of the ball yesterday. Only 10 shots. I say only 10 shots because Northampton Town had 11 with 34% of the ball. And the XG I have written down here is Exeter 0.48 to Northampton Town 1.7. So I think it was a fair result. I mean, again, possession doesn't necessarily mean that a, a team deserves to to win. I think this is almost sometimes a, a false sense of security people get brought into that when you have lots of possession, you deserve to win. And I absolutely despise that. I'm not saying, I'm not one of these anti-possession people, but, you know, if you have the ball, you need to create things with it. Manchester United's game yesterday was a perfect example of that for anyone who watched it. They created nothing, and they had all they had seventy seven percent of the ball. Roy Hodgson, you know, set up a low block with Palace. Unbelievable result at Old Trafford. It's a that was Northampton Town's fourth win in four games. They are up to seventeenth, and as I said, they've Reading next, so they could potentially, potentially, go up to about fourteenth, thirteenth. But if if they beat Reading now on 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 Tuesday. Away days are great, especially when your striker bags a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. 
Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash realEFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now, back to the podcast. Moving on, Keelan. Fleetwood Town got their first win under Lee Johnson. And what a great win, by the way, against Leighton Orient, who I believe that was their, yeah, it was their first loss in four games, Leighton Orient, and it came to Fleetwood Town getting their first win of the season. A really good result. They picked up a nice draw uh, last week, I believe, and that was their first, not their first point, but that was, you know, they picked up four points out of six now. Talk to me about Fleetwood Town, because I thought, thought they were decent, created some really good chances. Yeah, no, watching the highlights just before we, we pressed recall in this pod, it yeah, Fleetwood excelled when they when they ran forward with a lot of pace. I thought Junior Quitrinha, I think that's how you pronounce his name, the winger that they bought from from Ireland. I wouldn't have even tried to, to pronounce that. Yeah, no, I I think I did all right. But the, the, <laughs> the winger from um from Waterford seemed like he, he had a good game and he had a, a part to play in the in the first goal where Fleetwood attacked with a lot of pace and he drills across into the area and Jack Marriott, who's a seasoned poacher at the level, uh, taps it in for 1-0. And they could have been 2 0 up after that through Kabongo Shamanga, who's on loan from, mm-hmm. from Peterborough, the, the number seven now for them. But he has his effort saved by the Orient keeper. But, you know, they rode their luck slightly. Leighton Orient had a, had a few chances. Tom James, the, um, the fullback for Orient, tests the keeper in the first half. And then, you know, late on, when, when Leighton Orient are going forward, Ethan Galbraith seemingly dives and the referee gives him a second yellow may it might, might have been minimal contact but the referee dismisses him he also dismisses the Fleetwood player so there was a tale of two really late red cards in that but I think you know Fleetwood you know they rode their luck slightly that they fought well and they managed to get a goal through through Jack Marriott who's you know known for scoring goals at this level so I think it's encouraging stuff for Lee Johnson's men who obviously as you said he gets his first win in charge of the Cod Army now it was incredibly difficult to tell whether Ethan Galbraith did dive because you get, I, I say this a lot, you get one camera angle and it's, you know, 50,000 miles away and you really can't see. He did get jeered as he walked off the pitch, though, which I enjoyed personally. Uh, but yeah, he got sent off for diving and, and it's a, it is a big loss for Leighton Orient who face uh, Lincoln City on Tuesday at home. Chris, are you worried about that game or do you think it's going to be a, a pretty comfortable game for Lincoln? I'm worried about every game at the moment. <laughs> to be honest, uh, with uh, it's almost like a, a QI claxing at the moment, discussing Lincoln City striker situation. So Lincoln have got three, three kind of first team centre forwards, and all three of them are out with long, with long, uh, long term injuries. So, mm-hmm. so that massively limits Lincoln. Now, last season Lincoln were uh, a good off the ball team, good team in terms of being hard to beat, but did offer very little forward uh, threat. And I feel like they may have regressed a little bit towards that now. Um, Leighton Orient, despite the loss on Saturday, of course, are, are ever improving and really settling into League One. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about that from a, a League One, uh, from a Lincoln perspective. Shout out to Leighton Orient, though, because ticket prices for that game are 10 quid. I think that is uh, fair play. For that. that's, that's that's really enticing for, and I'm sure they'll they'll get a bigger gate off the back of that, certainly with, you know, the catching area must always be challenging for Leighton Orient with, with the big teams that are around them. So I think you can always, always want to commend clubs when they do something right in that regard. Well, speaking of that, I had the chance to go to a game on Friday in Ireland between Shamrock Rovers and Shelbourne, of course, as a Shelbourne supporter. The away tickets were €20, and I refused. I absolutely refused to pay that for a League of Ireland game. So, fair play to uh, Leighton Orient for for those ticket prices. That's amazing. Uh, Just lastly, before we move on, 
Fleetwood Town's next game, as we spoke about earlier, is Cheltenham Town. They could potentially have seven points in nine if they beat Cheltenham Town, which is, I mean, they're playing Cheltenham Town away, of course, but having drawn to Burton Albion last week, which was, a, again, another relegation, another game against a team that will be fighting relegation, a win against Leighton Orient and potentially a win against against Cheltenham Town. Seven out of nine, a really good start for Lee Johnson, and he's turning things around after what was a dismal start to the season under Scott Brown. Chris, next game, Port Vale nil, Bolton Wanderers won. Port Vale were, I believe, six games unbeaten after the opening day drubbing to Barnsley. And now, while they are still sitting six, they are, they are winless in three games with two losses and one draw in that space of time. Just talking about Bolton Forest, though, Dion Charles' goal was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, it deserved a goal. I, I wrote down something here, and I don't know how soft this is, but I just wonder if there was a foul um, in the build-up to it. So um, on the on the ITV highlights package, it was right at, right at the start of the clip. I don't know if anyone really gets a chance to see it because it was kind of like only half showed it. But if you can watch um, yeah, five or so seconds before that on some, some slightly longer highlights, I recommend it. So not entirely sure who's on possession of the ball. Um, potential foul and it is only potential i'm still not 100 sure but i thought it's worth discussing uh, i don't know if you guys saw it but a potential foul causes a turnover in the um in the bottom half ball then is is, is passed to to dion charles who picks the ball up around the halfway line and then it, from that point it deserved a goal because it was a fantastic run um takes it past two or three players drifts slightly wide to the left and then a fantastic low drive across the goalkeeper to make it one nil um, it was a fantastic goal, it really was. But I just wonder, from a Port Vale perspective, would you be a little aggrieved as to was there possibly a foul in the build-up? I'll have to watch that back. I didn't, I didn't notice that. I will uh, maybe, it maybe it wasn't. I don't know if there was much in yeah. regards to uh, kind of complaints about it at the time. I just I just noticed about it. It might, might be one of those that if it's just in open play and it doesn't result in a goal, you kind of completely forget about mm-hmm. it. Because there was a goal at the end of it, it maybe it just it made it a little bit more significant than it really was. Um, but to be honest... It's, it's, it's quite difficult to, to talk about this game, isn't it? Because let's be honest, despite a reasonably high number of shots, there wasn't a huge amount of quality and kind of yeah. uh, clear opportunities. Um, you often find that when you play, when you find two teams that play 3-5-2. When you get a 3-5-2 versus a 3-5-2, there are, there are both teams have defensive overloads and then match each other up everywhere else, and it can become a little bit stodgy. Uh, Port Vale, albeit their, their wing-backs slightly deeper than, than, than Bolton's, I, I felt this game had kind of drawn all over it or it would take a little piece of magic to, to break the deadlock and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and Port Vale now are sixth in the table. They have 17 points, but there's several teams below them that have a game in hand and they're only a point or two off them. So I would expect them to drop out of the, uh, the, the playoff places within the next week or so. I could be wrong because I made the Portland prediction too and I was wrong on that, so don't don't hold me to that. That's Bolton Wanderers' fourth win, though, in three games in League One. They did win during the week against Manchester United's under-21s, 8-1, in a competition which I deem to be not fit for purpose, in my own opinion. But that's just mine. I mean, people are, are, are different. I think... Especially, but I, I don't mind the competition itself, but I believe at academy level, academy players are almost mighty coddled at that age. And then they come up and they're facing a, a team like Bolton who are full of, you know, physically bigger men against teenagers. And personally, I think it's, I understand the reason they want to do it for like growth or something or, or to give them experience playing at that level. But I, I, I think it's physically unfair. My own opinion, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, of course. We'll move on though now. Uh, key, uh, actually, it's my it's it's my game. It's Reading and Borton Albion, and not really a lot happened in this game. Not gonna lie, I thought Max Crocombe again not in a match for Borton Albion. That's two straight uh, draws for Borton Albion after they drew last week with Fleetwood Town uh, at home, and this of course was a good a, a good goalless draw against Reading. The bigger picture though is the the last week with Reading has been incredibly incredibly difficult for supporters. I have wrote extensively on this on the real EFL website. So if you want to know all the ins and outs, go onto the website and you'll you'll find numerous articles. <laughs> to the point where I was writing about Rishi Sunak at one point and his comments. Rishi Sunak was asked with BBC Radio Berkshire about the the situation with the ownership, to which he responded saying, I know how they feel. So Tantum relegated last season. 
And I can't help but feel it's two very different situations, Rishi. Two very different situations. Anyway, the situation at Reading, there was a protest again yesterday against the owner, Dai Young. And they were they were almost facing a points deduction on Friday if staff and player wages were failed to be paid. Thankfully, they were paid. However, they were placed under a transfer embargo on Tuesday after failing to pay the HMRC on time. That was reported by the Telegraph on Tuesday, midday or evening Tuesday, afternoon Tuesday maybe. Then it came out that Reading's owner wants to sell. And it, and it doesn't stop there. He wants to sell for 80 million, which is considering West Bromwich Albion, uh, their owner. Again, another Chinese businessman. I'm, I, I will butcher his name, but Lei Guo, Guo Chuan, I want to say. West Brom's owner wants 50 million pounds for West Brom. Reading's owner wants 80, and the reason is because apparently he's owed a lot of money in loans. He's owed, or he, he, he has a ownership of, of the, the, the stadium, the training facilities, all the assets of the club, which in his mind totals to 80 million pounds. Now, if he's going to get 80 million pounds for a club in League One that are facing relegation this season, at the, as things stand, I mean, they are 24th in the league, they are in the relegation zone. He'll do incredibly well. I can see many people wanting to buy his hand off for that offer, considering West Bromwich Albion were having uh, difficulties. Or a lot of fans were criticising their owner for wanting fifty million. That apparently was too high. Extra thirty on top of that for a League One club, in my mind, is bizarre. The game though was what you thought it would be. Reading dominated possession. They had sixty-four percent of the ball, twenty shots to Burton Albion's three. Again, Burton Albion was hanging on every single game. They had seven shots on target out of those 20, 1.33 XG to 0.11 for Burton Albion. Again, as I said, Max Crocombe was probably man of the match. He was excellent. The game was interrupted though for about 10, 15 minutes, I believe. The referee had to stop the game because the tennis balls were thrown onto the pitch by the home fans and they have every right to protest. I think that the last couple of, not just days, the last couple of weeks with, with Scunthorpe United and Reading, it's incredibly distressing for fans and so many I, I saw a tweet online basically saying that you know all they have is is that game on a saturday they look forward to and there's you know because of poor ownership that can be taken away from them it is heartbreaking i really feel for them of course berry fans will will know exactly how that feels uh, I, I won't dwell on this game too much i think the What's happened off the pitch is probably more important than the result itself. It is a point each for Reading and Burton Albion. Reading are a point off Burton Albion. Burton Albion, though, are unbeaten in three games, which is, which is, I suppose, a, a good for them because they had a, a dismal start to the season. Uh, Northampton Town uh, away next for Reading. And Burton Albion face Wigan at home, which is, as we spoke about earlier, a huge game in the early relegation battle. Keelan, we'll come on to you now for Wickham Wanderers 2, Carlisle United 0. Now, big talking point in this game. What's the goalkeeper doing? I mean, watching it, I'd, I'd, I don't... I don't I just, he's, he's rolled the ball out and he clearly just doesn't realise Sam Folks is behind him. And then Sam Folks, rightly, you know, a striker of his experience, charges back for the ball and then wins it. And then Andreas and... Went, goes off his hand and then he, I mean, it's a howler and, you know, the referee has no choice but to send him off. And yeah, it was just a, a bizarre red card and a bizarre moment in the match that really probably set, you know, Wickham on their way to, to the 2-0 win. I don't remember for the life of me what game it was or who he played for, but that incident reminded me so much of a game where Dion Dublin scored from something similar to that back in, I think it was the 90s, if anyone remembers that. I know maybe I'm I'm not even showing my age. I wasn't born then, but it, it was. Uh, I remember seeing the highlight. Where, <laughs> do you remember the game? I, I can't remember which game it was. I know exactly what goal you're talking about. Yeah, keeper puts the ball down, and he doesn't. He just he's off the pitch, and he just nips in front and rolls it in. Unbelievable. Yeah, that reminds me of that. And I just want to say about about Jokel Anderson too. There was a game a couple of weeks ago where we were hosting this podcast. Chris, I believe it was you and and Gary were on with me. He he. It was against Port Vale. It might have been. I think it was away from home. Or it might have been. I think, I'm pretty sure it was away from home. They had a throw in Carlisle, and they threw it to the goalkeeper. He took a, a horrible touch, and then gave away a penalty. 
And Paul Simpson came out after the game and he was ranting and raving about it was the, a stupid decision to throw the ball there. And, and he was he, he lost the plot about the decision to even throw the ball to the goalkeeper. But I said in the podcast at the time, I think it only looks as bad because the goalkeeper's touch was horrendous. And then again, yesterday he gets sent off for, I mean, man, just how do you not know he's there? I just, I don't know. It's not as if Sam Vokes is small either. Like, Sam Vokes is a massive human being. It's just bizarre. It was an absolutely, just just an absolutely bizarre um, incident. And he got sent off. And I think, Keelan, unless you you disagree, I think the game was kind of over from that point, really. Yeah, no, as I said, it it set the tone, really, for Mm. Wickham to go and get quite a comfortable victory. I think there's some credit to... The Carlisle defenders, they put their bodies on the line quite well. And the goal the, the goalkeeper that comes in, Thomas Holy, makes a couple saves. And Wickham only really broke the deadlock via a, a Gareth McCleary penalty. And then in that second half, Sam Vokes, who we, who we talked about for that bizarre penalty incident, you know, holds off his marker really well in the second half, turns him and then puts a brilliant shot into the goal to, to basically give Wickham... The victory, and I think there was a couple half chances for Carlisle. Sean Maguire, uh, you know, they were he was in the, the bright coloured away top for Carlisle, manages to to race forward, and then Luke Leahy, who Wickham signed in the summer, intervenes with a leg last second, and then I think directly from that corner as well, Carlisle head one wide as well. But you know, watching the highlights, Wickham probably could have won this about three or four nil at the end of it, really, and. You know, I know we talked about Joey Barton was singling a player out, but I think and if Andreasen doesn't make that make that silly error, Carlisle might have stood more of a chance in the game. But obviously, going away to Wickham is going to be a tough game with ten or eleven for for a team like Carlisle, and Wickham were good value for the three points in the end. I think if Jockel Anderson played under Joey Barton, there might have been oh. yeah, there might have been uh, charges placed on someone in my own opinion. So he's very lucky. He has Paul Simpson as manager. I do want to say though, Keelan, you you robbed me of a beautiful a beautiful punchline joke I had with Thomas Holy coming on to be the saviour. I, I said it anyway, but it's not as fun now. So thank you for robbing oh, me of that. Yeah, bravo. Yeah, you're right. But Keelan ruined it. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, next up for Carlisle United is uh, Peabree United, I believe, Keelan. You, are, you, are you nervous about that game or are you, do you think it's going to be a... a, a, a Pretty straightforward victory for Darren Ferguson's men. It, it would be typical for, for Peterborough, you know, going away to Carlisle on Tuesday night, long journey after a positive result and probably end up losing 1-0 with a last-minute goal or something. But, yeah, no, I think Carlisle this season, you know, I think they, they maybe lack the experience of being... They haven't been in the division for a while and I think in a couple of games this season they've had opportunities and... Mm-hmm. And wasted them. I, I don't know. It'll be it'll be a very tight game. I can probably see maybe Peterborough nicking a goal and maybe getting a one nil win, or maybe it being a nil nil or something. I don't think it's going to be a very, you know, entertaining match at, mm-hmm. at Carlisle on Tuesday. It'll be a tough one for sure. And it's four wins out of five for Wigan Wanderers. They are up to ninth, and they face Portsmouth in the next game, which is going to be a very very interesting fixture indeed. Moving on though to Barnsley nil, Blackpool won. Chris, Barnsley are a weird team at the moment, and so are Blackpool. Um, and the game finished one nil to the visitors. Talk to me about this one because there was a period in time where Blackpool were, I think they had like four or five straight goalless games in a row. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable, and now they're, I mean, they scored four against Reading there. This is their second straight win. They've scored five goals in two games now. Jordan Rhodes has five goals in five games as well. Talk to me about the about this one. He has, yeah. Jordan Rhodes scoring what must be his millionth goal of his career now. He's, he's just a, a league one. I think he's a, he's, he's a great capture. But um, that's Blackpool's first away goal mm-hmm. this season. So despite finding form at home recently, they, they still haven't actually scored until today. And it's also Barnsley's first game this season where they hadn't scored in. Uh, but Barnsley didn't actually have a, a single shot on target in this game. Uh, they had nine shots, 63% possession, but, but zero shots on target. So, yeah, not a huge amount happened in this one. Let's be honest. It was it was, it was quite a tight affair. Uh, it's going to be difficult to pad this out too much, isn't it? Um, yeah. But it's a fantastic result for Blackpool. I think Neil Critchley is really starting to kind of find his feet there um, again. And particularly after a, probably a challenging start, really, after coming back in. I, I certainly felt that he wouldn't be afforded the same patience with the fan base mm-hmm. that he 
you know, he, he left pretty quickly last season. Um, but he seems to have started to win, win them around a little bit and has picked up some very good form recently. Um, and you're right, Bonsley are just weird. They're uh, just very inconsistent at the moment, aren't they? Um, I, I don't I don't even know. What, I've, I've got no kind of tactical punditry here for them. It's just they're strange. Uh, and it's so difficult to, to predict. But, I mean, they are the top goal scorers in League One, Barnsley. Devante Cole is the top goal scorer with nine goals. Mm. And... Blackpool managed to keep them at bay, and Blackpool have the joint best defence in the league with Portsmouth. So that was pretty interesting. Basically, attack versus defence. Defence came out on top. So, I mean, that's really the takeaway, as you said. Not really much else happened. The penalty was given after Corey O'Keefe brought down CJ Hamilton. It was just a silly challenge, and but it was converted by Jordan Rhodes. A nice penalty. A 1-0 win. Two losses in three, four Barnsley, they face Cambridge United away on Tuesday. And again, as we said, for Blackpool, it's three wins and four. Decent. Two wins on the bounce now, and they're starting to pick up some form. They're sitting 11th. A win next game could potentially bring them into the playoffs if, if results go their way. Moving on to the final game, though, of the week. And in, I always save a goalless draw for the last because... You know, I just, I, I, to be fair, right, I, you know, I feel bad doing this, but I also did try and space the goalless draws out a little bit. They had, we had three this week. I tried to space them out a little bit. So I put one in the first, one in the first five, and then I've done two in the last four. I'm just trying to, you know, be a bit more fair. Cause I remember there was one week where I chucked all the goalless draws in for the last three, which made for a painful end to the podcast. <laughs> but we'll have to end on this one. Really not a lot happened. I do want to give a shout out to, to the Charlton Athletic goalkeeper, Harry Estead. He was probably man of the match. He made some unbelievable saves and really gave Charlton a, a clean sheet. I thought Shrewsbury Town probably did enough to win the game, maybe. I mean, did, did either of them do enough to win the game? There was in total 29 shots in the game, 15 for Shrewsbury Town, 14 for Charlton, eight shots on target to six. The XG was 0.79 that I have written down to 0.7. You know, it's like 29 shots and your accumulated XG is just just under uh, 1.5 in total. It's not great. The, the chances were poor. It's a lot of shots outside the box. It was just one of them games. It reminds me of a game earlier in the season. Was it, was it against Lincoln City, Chris, who you played earlier in the season? It was a bit like that. Uh, it was Shrewsbury. Oh, against Shrewsbury. Yeah, to yeah. be honest, that was a, an incredibly windy day. It really yeah. ruined. It was, it was a horrible game of football to watch, that was, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think we can think of 1 0 in the end with a, with a goal from outside the box. But yeah. yeah, the XG, the cumulative XG for both those games, for both, for both teams combined, I think was only just over one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a, and yeah, this, game this game reminded me a bit of that for the simple fact that, again, it was just a lot of shots outside the box and it was, it was, it was just a bit painful, really. But Shrewsbury Town were on a three game. Uh, losing streak. So they managed to end it, which is, I suppose, a positive. Charlton Athletic, uh, they were on some decent form under Michael Appleton, two wins and two draws now. Uh, and they face Exeter City next at home. And it's it's Oxford United away for, for Shrewsbury Town on Tuesday. There's really not much else we can we can say in this one other than a stat that was given to me by Keelan last night. Shrewsbury Town failed to register a single goal in September. Really not great. Really, really not great. They are 18th, though. Um, as I said, they only have one win in five, zero in four now, and they're being dragged after a, a decent start of the season, being dragged further and further down to those relegation places. We'll wrap up the podcast there. Keelan, what are your plans for this week? I changed the question on the script because every single week I ask you guys, what are you doing at the weekend? And every single week, I realise it's already the in weekend. Um, no, I've not got much planned this this week. Probably, probably catch the Carlisle Posh game if it's on. Mm -hmm. I follow, and then yeah, then we. I think it's after that. It's Posh. We've got Lincoln at home. I think so. That'll be a yes next Saturday. One. Big game. Be a huge game. And Chris, same question to you. Uh, I'll yeah try and catch the Leighton Orient Lincoln game on I follow on Tuesday night. Um, a very busy week of work this week, which I'm not particularly happy about. I much prefer it when it's a bit of a it's a bit of a toss week. Um, but yeah, very very busy week this week. But very much looking forward to the Peterborough game. Um, sadly, don't get to go to many away games this uh, these days. But I'm very much 
going to that one. Um, looking forward to it. Always enjoy an away day at Peterborough. So yeah, that's my plan for the next week or so. But you amazing. Ready? Well, I, I'm 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 not going to lie to you guys. I'm doing absolutely nothing. I just have a lot of freelance work to do. My life's really not interesting. I did start reading though. I started reading. We still have a minute or two on the podcast. I'm going to waste time here. I did start reading uh, American Prometheus, which is the book that Oppenheimer was based on, and it's really good. It goes into a lot more depth than the film did, so I'm going to enjoy that because um. My life's incredibly sad, guys. You know, it's incredibly sad. So that's what I'll be doing on my Sunday night. To everyone listening at home, make sure to drop us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the podcast. It means the world to us. And tune in next Sunday once more as we dissect all the action from League One for your wonderful ears. Thank you all for listening, and goodbye for now. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go. And you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then later on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 